You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the June 29th, Thursday, reading of the Pikes Peak Courier. My name is Sophia. Today, we will be reading the following main articles. Army, Air Force, racing to address recruitment, both projected to fall short as eligibility and interests fail. Written by Mary Shin. Colorado fails to enforce safety requirements for gas pipelines. Audit finds. Written by Hannah Metzger. Colorado's Greatest Rock Wonderlands. Written by Seth Boster. And following up with miscellaneous articles. Our first article is entitled, Army, Air Force, Racing to Address Recruitment, Both Projected to Fall Short as Eligibility and Interest Fall. Written by Mary Shin. As the Air Force and Army brace to miss recruiting goals for this year, both branches are making changes to help address long-term problems of dropping interest and eligibility to serve. Last year, the Army missed its recruiting goal by 25% and doesn't expect to hit it this year either, although it is doing statistically better than at this same time last year, spokeswoman Lieutenant Colonel Ruth Castro said. The Air Force met its goals last year, but expected to fall 10% short, the Air Force's Assistant Secretary Kristen Jones said in Congressional Testimony. The Space Force, a much smaller and highly sought-after branch, has not seen the same struggles. The Pikes Peak region, home to Fort Carson, Peterson, and Shriver Space Force bases, and the Air Force Academy, has a significant presence of both soldiers and airmen both active and retired. However, recruiting challenges persist, and both the Army and Air Force are making innovative changes, including a new preparatory program for soldiers who need to lose weight or boost test scores to enlist. The recruiting, sh the recruiting shortfalls sweep across most branches and have spurred national calls for action. Most of the trends that have created the present recruiting crisis will not change anytime soon, and if left unaddressed, they could soon threaten the ability of the all-volunteer force to protect the nation, wrote retired Army Lieutenant General David Barno and Nora Benchashel, visiting professors of studies at the Johns Hopkins School of Advanced International Studies. The two wrote, the military may find itself continuing to involuntarily shrink and may soon be too small to address the growing security challenges facing the United States, the Washington Examiner reported. For recruiters, the challenges are numerous because rising obesity, and mental health issues 
are disqualifying more young people from service, while a falling veteran population means that fewer young people are interested in serving. Military data showed those eligible to serve ages 17 to 24 is down to 23% from 29% in recent years, with 44% ineligible for more than one reason. In addition to long-term challenges around interest and eligibility, COVID-19 restrictions limited recruiters' access to schools and many knowledgeable counselors left the field, according to a Fountain-based Air Force recruiter and ROTC scholarship officer at the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs. At the same time, the military is facing larger issues, such as the number of parents who believe their children need to pursue a college degree right out of high school to achieve success, said Catherine Kaminsky, Senior Fellow and Program Director with the Center for a New American Security. I think service used to be almost an exclusive pathway to financial stability and kind of rising through the classes. Now, there is a variety of ways people can move socioeconomically, she said. The military will pay for a college degree, but so will Starbucks and other corporations, she noted. The rising awareness around mental health issues also means far more children and teenagers are receiving diagnosis and care. She also noted that while a military youth survey showed only 10% of those 16 to 21 years old expected to serve, the majority of people in the military said on that survey they were not interested in serving. Recruiters are doing a lot of work, she said. Air Force recruiter Tech Sergeant Patrick Sullivan, who works in Fountain, has seen some of the issues firsthand since arriving in that area in December 2020. At the start of the pandemic, graduating seniors already had a plan in place to enlist or commission if they were interested. But younger students didn't make as many connections with recruiters in schools because they had trouble talking to classes in 2021. Sullivan said he wasn't fully allowed back in schools until 2022. He also saw lower scores on the test required to enter the military because of the online learning that followed COVID-19 and a rise in anxiety and depression. For example, he said out of a group of 10 students, about four typically show interest in the Air Force, and out of those four, one or two are on medication for anxiety or depression. Those students would need to come off their medications for two years to qualify, he said. The Air Force has made some changes recently to achieve some quick wins, such as loosening its tattoo policy to allow small hand and neck tattoos, which allowed him to sign up two people in the first few months of the policy change. Over the past five years, he probably turned down five people 
with small neck tattoos, he said. Subtle changes can open up doors for people, he said. Less stringent rules on marijuana use have also helped. Currently, prospective recruits need to be clean for 45 days, but sometimes people miscalculate their dates and end up testing positive, he said. A waiver process allows some of these people to test a second time, Sullivan said. To tackle big issues such as fitness and test scores, the Army piloted a preparatory program at Fort Jackson, South Carolina, to help those who don't have the structure and time needed to meet some of the military standards around health and academics, said Commander Sergeant Major Michael Downham, with Army Recruiting Battalion Base in Denver. During the program, prospective recruits are paid to prepare for basic training and receive professional assistance, losing weight, or academic help, he said. I think it's been tremendously successful, he said. The course accepted 3,206 students by the end of 2022, and 2,965 students continued on to basic training, according to an Army press release. Lieutenant Colonel Johnny Forns with the Denver Battalion said the Army is expanding the program and other branches are interested in it. In addition, the battalion is working to expand its relationship with schools and school leaders, such as principals and guidance counselors, about the diverse and technical career options in the Army. There is an information gap across the board, he said. Soldiers are also trying work with many different types of events and clubs. For example, soldiers have worked with students interested in health fields to show them how medical soldiers train, he said. While it's true corporations are paying for college degrees, Downen said, they tend to come with a lot of requirements, while for service members, those benefits are an entitlement. In addition, Forn said there is work to expand JROTC programs in Douglas County and Alamosa. While those programs promote citizenship and awareness about the military, they are not necessarily a pipeline to serve, Downen said. The vast majority of students in JROTC do not ever join the military, he said. On a crisp morning this spring, at the Mesa Ridge High School JROTC program, in response to, Are You Ready?, the group of students shouted back, Always Ready, through their workout. JROTC is a citizenship development program, and it does introduce students to the structure and culture of military, with students taking on military titles and roles within the program. From among about a 100 students in the program, about a third will end up serving, and this year most graduates were headed off to the Army, said Heath Flore, the instructor. What we try to do is give as much information as possible so 
they can make the best informed decision they can, he said. That includes offering tours and connections to experts in the field of interest. Mesa Ridge JROTC student Magdalena Maharrison expected to enlist in the Army this fall after graduating to serve, as her father did, and hopefully travel the world. She was excited, rather than nervous, for basic training, job skills training, her first duty station, and all the new people she expects to meet along the way. I'm ready to start the new chapter of my life, she said. Her four years in the program also helped her mature and be nicer, said Maharrison, who served as the first lieutenant in charge of ensuring the classroom was clean and picked up. It's a lot easier to talk to people, she said. One of the biggest challenges she sees ahead is running every day early in the morning for basic training. But she said with confidence she is expected she said with confidence she expected to get through it and become a military police officer or an armored vehicle driver. In the long term, she hopes to become an officer through a program known as Green to Gold that allows enlisted soldiers to earn a college degree and commission as an officer. I know that I'm going to be told what to do for a long time, but I like telling people what to do, she said. Our next article is entitled, Colorado Fails to Enforce Safety Requirements for Gas Pipelines Audit Fines, written by Hannah Metzger. In September 2020, Patricia Ruse Rowe was killed when her home in Gypsum exploded because of a gas leak. Roe, age 49, left behind two young children. The leak was caused by Black Hills Energy incorrectly marking a gas pipeline, resulting in the pipeline being ruptured during a drilling operation, according to the Colorado Gas Pipeline Safety Program. Black Hills Energy then failed to advise residents to evacuate the program found. In response to Black Hills Energy's deadly actions, the program issued the company a verbal warning. Though the gas pipeline safety program is supposed to inspect operators and enforce compliance of safety requirements, this kind of non-action toward safety violations is commonplace, according to a recently released audit. From 2017 to 2022, 94% of the 5,643 safety non-compliances identified by the program received no enforcement actions, the audit found. This included accidents that caused at least two deaths, over a dozen injuries, and millions of dollars in property damage. When verbal warnings were given, the program did not always follow up to ensure the safety issues were fixed. Nearly 2,500 incidences of safety noncompliance during the five-year period were repeat incidences from 14 operators, but the program didn't issue the operators any compliance actions. 
The top offenders were XL Energy at 1,078 incidences, Colorado National sorry, Colorado Natural Gas at 566 incidences, and Black Hills Energy at 197 incidences. When operators are non-compliant and the program doesn't enforce safety requirements, the non-compliance can continue, said Legislative Audit Manager Jenny Page during a presentation. When enforcement is lacking, there's also a risk of these safety incidences. Penalties for safety violations are even more rare than written enforcement actions. The program assessed only 23 penalties for the 5,643 safety noncompliance incidences from 2017 to 2022. The 23 penalties should have totaled over $10.9 million based on the assessments, but the program collected only four, totaling $208,530, the audit found. Hmm. If the program followed federal and state laws regarding penalties, it would have collected between $2.4 million and $689 million from 2020 to 2022, depending on the duration of the continued noncompliance. Instead, the program collected only $5,000 in penalties during these years, the audit found. The program's failure to penalize the worst offenders demonstrates it isn't enforcing safety requirements effectively, said Audit Supervisor Carrie Ann Ryan. They assess penalties to small private operators for paperwork issues while assessing only a written warning to Excel in 2017 for not monitoring pipelines for leaks and not taking prompt action to correct deficiencies. In addition, the audit found that the program did not inspect the operators or have records of inspections within the required one to five year timeframes, did not meet federal inspection metrics, and had missing or incomplete inspection records. From 2017 to 2022, the program failed to complete on time 100% of emergency plan procedure inspections. 88% of implementation of Transmission Integrity Management Program inspections, 88% of field observation of emergency response inspections, 86% of implementation and distribution integrity management program inspections, and 77% of field inspections. Of the program's 15 Inspectors, 13, lacked required training and supervision, the audit found. Three inspectors also had conflicts of interest, inspecting companies they recently worked for immediately after being hired to the gas pipeline safety program. The audit made 39 recommendations for the gas pipeline safety program to address the findings. The Colorado Public Utilities Commission, which administers the program, 
agreed to 38 of the recommendations and partially agreed to one. We have a phenomenal team of inspectors. I have a lot of faith in them. They take their jobs seriously, said Rebecca White, director of the Public Utilities Commission. Some of the major recommendations ask the Public Utilities Commission to establish documentation practices for the program, track compliance actions and penalties, request more inspectors as needed, develop develop an objective process to assess and collect penalties, develop procedures for compliance follow-ups, and incorporate a risk assessment into inspecting scheduling. Each of those recommendations must be implemented between January and June 2024. The recommendation, the Public Utilities Commission, only partially agreed to, asked it to develop processes to monitor and track gas pipeline safety accident information from the National Response Center and to review potential gas pipeline accidents reported by the Colorado news media to identify accidents that have not been reported to the program. The commission agreed to track such incidents but declined to investigate them, saying they are out of the commission's jurisdiction. The audit was requested by the legislature with the findings reported to the Legislative Audit Committee. During the committee meeting, lawmakers asked questions about the report but rarely commented on the findings. Senator Rod Pelton from Cheyenne Wells was the only lawmaker to raise concerns about the recommended changes to the program, questioning whether it would increase penalties charged to gas companies. At the end of the day, we need safety, but we also need these operators to stay in business, Pelton said, adding that costs of penalties are dollars coming out of these companies' pockets, which in turn is coming out of our taxpayers' pockets. They don't absorb that cost, it's passed on. However, lawmakers largely seem to agree with the audit's recommendations, emphasizing the need to follow state and federal laws and keep Colorado's gas pipelines safe. We're watching what you all are doing, and I need to impress on you all how important it is that we maintain the highest standard of safety, said Senator Rhonda Fields from Aurora. These are things that we can do. The guidelines are there. It just has to be followed, and it has to be implemented, and there has to be some accountability. The next article is entitled Colorado's Greatest Rock Wonderlands, written by Seth Boster. It's true what they say about a rock. Just because it's one of a kind doesn't mean it's valuable. Not true for some formations in Colorado. Here's a look at them. Black Canyon of the Gunnison. The National Park brochure details the Song of the Gunnison the water and the wind rushing through the steep, deep canyon. Close your eyes and listen, the brochure advises, mindful of loose rock that could send you sliding into the blackness. Listen, 
and like the rock and sky, the sound gently envelops you. Cathedral Spires It appears that huge gray shark teeth loom over the sky pond in Rocky Mountain National Park. Sure enough, the highest among them is named Shark's Tooth, scaping near 12,600 feet, neighboring summits, penknife, jackknife, and saber. There's also Dun- sorry, Dinosaur National Monument, the Flatirons, Garden of the Gods, Great Dykes, Wheeler Geologic Area, Chalk Cliffs, Chimney Rock, Colorado National Monument, and Dillon Pinnacles. Thank you for joining us for the Pikes Peak Courier. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.